You're listening to the Night Demon Network. Go to nightdemon.net slash subscriber to unlock more exclusive content. Hello and welcome to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Nesbitt. Raven, a new wave of British heavy metal legends. Uh, Night Demon's history with Raven goes back as far as 2013 when they toured together with Diamond Head. Uh, We'll be digging into that in a future episode. There's lots of history between the two bands. But for now, this is the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast interview with John Gallagher of Raven. How you doing, John? How welcome, you, welcome to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. How are you? I am doing good, sir. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. Hanging in there. I'm here in uh, Castle, Germany. We're playing a gig tonight, and um, yeah, you know, back on the road, right? Good stuff, <laughs> man. Where are you? I'm in Florida. We are. What are we doing? What prep? prepping for this tour that starts next week but at the same time we're finishing up a house that we're flipping so it's uh mayhem <laughs> that's that's crazy that's awesome though so like okay so yeah for people who i'm, I'm trying to learn this freaking thing which oh that's the uh well this is audio so i'll i'll let the audience know that this is he's holding up he's holding up a kemper which is a uh it's like a german uh, piece of equipment which is like a basically an amplifier emulator you know that's kind of like the uh are you using that for bass uh, i could but no this is for guitar mark, for mark? Uh, he, he he wants the sound he's got on the record so that that's the easiest way to attain it actually that's how so, you do it uh, the last couple of records actually have been used you know with, with a camper type sound uh, you know, the way studios these days get smaller and smaller. It's so, so crazy. Yeah, I actually, it, uh, you know, and, and, and he wants to have the ability to have a boost and, you know, rather than tap dance on 50 pedals, this will combine a whole bunch of stuff. So 
Absolutely. You just have hit one switch and you have a whole new amp set up and pedals and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, well, um, he's only going to use one amp sound. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> it'll be like loud, louder, yeah. and oh my God, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, speaking of speaking of studios getting smaller, um, you know, uh, interestingly enough, we we did a, we recorded a song in 2019 with Fleming Rasmussen in Denmark at Sweet Silence. And we were actually going to have Michael Wagner mix the song to just go full master of puppets on one song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you, you guys basically ended his career. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'm not, I'm not, I, that's not, I'm not blaming you for that, but like basically what I, what was happening was, yeah. Like we, we had talked to him and, um, uh, or at least our, our label did and it was going to happen. And then, uh, we were on tour, so we were kind of lagging on it a bit. And then you guys made uh, your last record, Metal City, um, and you you tracked some of that with him, right? We tracked everything but the drums. Okay, so you tracked the drums, and then you went in and did guitars, vocals, and bass. Guitars, with him, right? vocals, bass, and whatever and, other, you know. And, and so he... Euphoniums, violins, all that good stuff, yeah. Right, and then so he, he actually mixed the record, and... Yeah. And that, but you guys weren't happy with that mix. No, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't what we wanted, really. Uh, it didn't come out great, so we were like, ah, because initially that's why we wanted Michael. We were going to record it elsewhere and have him mix it. Right. And he was going to go into a hospital for a pretty major procedure. This was in oh, must have been March of 2018. We've had the right. conversation. And he said, well, when's Mike's studio getting built? Because Mike, our drummer, had moved to L.A. and was building a studio. He said, I says, July? He goes, no, I'm going in a hospital for, like, major surgery. You know, like, I might not even come out of it. So let's do it beforehand. Come to my place. So two days later, boom, we were in Nashville, you know. And it was great working with Michael again. It was wonderful. We, you know, everything got tracked great. As usual, got the best out of us. Mix wasn't great, and we said, you know, we, we need we need something that's going to compete with what's going on. It just wasn't happening, and we sadly told him it's okay if we take it elsewhere. And he goes, yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, that's always the, that's, it. Was like three or four guys before we got the guy who finally mixed it. You know? Right. Yeah, it's a tough thing. We just went, went through that with our newest record, a guy that we've worked with a lot, you know, that we really love and love personally it just wasn't happening and we had to take it somewhere else where we were really happy in the end and that's what matters and you have to do that it's just hard that sometimes you know you got to put the personal feelings aside and you know i mean it's hard it's hard to not it's hard to not take it personal even though it's not it's not personal but it's hard oh, no, you know, not at all no, no, but but you know but you know how it is i mean it's we've like, had it happen and to be honest we've had it happen with that particular project where hey, it was personal Whoa, okay. started doing it and it was and I'll, I, I'll tell you that i'll tell you that like uh off the record yeah yeah i don't know that time well but, i do uh, know i do know the record did take you guys a long time it seems like every time we talked for for around a you know three four year period you guys were kind of just doing you were in texas doing stuff and you were in la and you were kind of going back and forth and you know so but that's cool the look the end result is great and like that's, you know, that's all that matters at the yeah end. 
that's all that's that's all that history uh remembers it as you know um but uh but yeah so anyway so we we were like okay it's time for michael to mix this song you know and uh we had just basically heard that like look he just like you know like just did all this stuff with raven and then they scrapped his mix and he is just like all right i'm just he sold all his what we were told is that he sold all his equipment and he's officially retired and I was like, okay, wow. So at least, I mean, you guys were probably the last people to get in with him, you know? I'm, sh- I'm sure he did something else after us. I'm sure we weren't the, the final, uh, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Can, can, we just, can we just blame it on you? Can we just yeah, do that? Yeah, it, it sounds so much better. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, no, were- yeah Michael was, uh, he's uh, one of a kind. He was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I was so up to, to doing that when we finally were in there. I did all the vocals for that album in like two days. Right. And well, it was, you know, three, four tracks of songs. And it was just like, give me more. Let's right. do another Let's do another one. You know, that's right. like crazy. He's like totally freaked out and excited. But yeah, well, that's what makes you know, it he's fun. Getting on. He's, he's an yeah. older guy. I mean, we're old farts at this point. He's an older guy. So yeah, was pushing for, you know, let's keep going another few. No, I'm done. Well, one thing about him, though, is that like, you know, he's done so many big records, so many great sounding records, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I always thought like he was. See, sometimes you get guys from the old school that made great records and then they retire because like you know technology passes them by or or they really just they don't adapt to the new style and but he really i mean he was doing digital stuff in the 80s you know he was one of the first guys to to do digital mixing you know so i you know i always thought you know he he kept going in a good way and he kept doing a lot of records but he figured it out he figured out how to do digital way back then and and then have it have an analog sensibility or analog feel to it that that was his whole thing but his body, his body of work is 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 incredible, you know. And I, I really hope that he gets uh, some more credit in the in the big picture of things, you know, because he's really, he's, you know, I mean, oh, you you like to say like, right place, right time kind of guy, but I mean, like, it's it's it went well, on for a long so time. So bizarre how we ended up working with him because when we did, you know, prior to doing wiped out, we had a an offer to do a Radio 1 session down in London. And we went down and did it, and it was four songs. I think we did Lamps to the Slaughter, we did Hard Ride, we did Chainsaw, and we did Hold Back the Fire. And it was this building in the middle of the bombed-out part of London, basically, with this disgustingly awful door. And when you opened it, it was like, you know, the secret society it was absolutely beautiful inside. <laughs> it was right. disguised. I think it was in Maida Vale. And we were like, oh, no. And we have to go back and meet records. Oh, <laughs> oh. And we said, well, that'll be it. So we did wipe out. And after that, it's like, nope, we're not doing it here. What do you mean? We want to do it in a real studio with a real producer. And this went on for weeks, and then it was a capitulation. Yeah, okay, what do you want? Uh, we like this record breaker by Accept. We want the producer from that. And that was a guy called Dirk Steffels. So when David Wood from Neats did his research, he found out that Dirk Steffels basically came in, had a cup of tea, and went, yeah, it sounds pretty good, and walked out. 
and the guy who was doing all the work was, was Michael, Michael Wagner. Right. And he was in he was in except for a while, wasn't he? When, wasn't he when in they the were band? Kids, when right, 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 right. This is a famous photograph of him and Udo. <laughs> but there's got to be some connection because like the, you know, Wolf Hoffman and Peter Baltus and and Michael Wagner, they all live in Tennessee now. You know, they're all German yeah, guys German, living in Tennessee. German mafia. Yeah. <laughs> the, the country music uh german mafia <laughs> yeah it's That's uh cool. you know it's a lot uh nashville's a lot more rock and roll than you would think yeah sure it's sure an awful lot of rock people there there really is right right um so let's talk um so okay um let's see i saw you last in february this year i came to newcastle we hung out for a bit but were you I can't, now? I, when was your guys' first show back? Like actually playing again after this uh, lock the lockdowns and stuff. After the scandemic, that was uh, in August of two thousand and twenty. Right, one. Yes, was the, the, the Alcatraz Alpha Festival. Yes, I. Yes, and that was literally the first time we'd seen each other in eighteen months. Yeah, we just got up and went, "Okay, go." <laughs> right. So you're you're living in Newcastle. Your, your brother Mark's living I'm in Florida. Half the time here in Florida, half and then the time and 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 your drummer's in LA. So that's yeah. a pretty good. That's a pretty good spread. Night Demon yeah. kind of was doing the same thing. I was in I- Northern Ireland. Dustin was in Pennsylvania, and Armand was in California too. So it's kind of the same thing, actually, which is which is kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, okay. So then you did that, and then was there anything that happened after that between then and now? Oh yeah, we went out and did a U.S. tour uh in 2021 i believe it started in like why like, doesn't that ring a bell literally a year oh wait ago. right 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 sorry sorry yes it's literally yes. a year ago yes that's um, when you toured was, off the record it was the metal city tour yeah right okay right um and so then you've got you guys just went to brazil and played the september 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 Negro Festival. We played That's, it before. Does that how you yeah. say it? Yeah, yeah. We'd actually done. We did a, a festival in Pittsburgh. I think at the end of. Uh, yeah, Metal Immortal Festival. Yeah, but when De- was Deb from Lady Beast puts that. Deb, yeah, yeah. It was great, uh, great venue. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Small's Theater. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, we did that, and then we were supposed to start recording immediately. And Mark's wife had COVID and was sick, and he said, oh, I've got to go back and look after her for a few days. I'll join you later. Of course, he got COVID, was sick as a dog. Uh, Mike got COVID, so I'm stuck in LA for two weeks playing tourists. So. <laughs> <laughs> Until they all got better. And then, then we reconvened and did the record, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, wait, so you're talking, what, an- another record? Oh, yeah. We've got a record coming out on the 30th right now, which is a, you know, it finishes up our SPV contract. It's Wait, called you, you, Bleeding. You have a it's new called. studio album coming out on we the 30th. We have a new studio album? No, no, no. We have a compilation album ah, okay. on the 30th. Okay. Which has, you know, a couple of songs from each album and all the B-sides and all the... It's anything from like the Party Killers comp? Uh, yeah, Bad Reputation by Thin Lizzy. Nice, nice. And we have uh, Space Station Number 5 by Montrose. And we have a live version of Stay Hard from 2017. 
that's, oh, that's so cool. You, we had no back pocket, but we hadn't mixed, and it sounds great. So nice, nice. What's the name of the compilation? Leave them bleeding. Yes. Okay. There's a big Perfect. picture of Mark's guitar covered in blood, which was from the uh, the the last gig we did before the pandemic, which was February 2020 at the Monsters of Rock cruise. Yeah, that's amazing. You couldn't hand through the gig, and at the end, we're just taking pictures of the guitars. Like, yeah, we've got to use that. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that cruise. You know, we've done the we've done the seventy thousand tons. We're about to do the Vakken full metal cruise, but this the Monsters of Rock cruise always looks like. That looks like the cruise that people have the most fun. Like, you know, like with all those like hair metal bands and stuff. It's like, it just seems like a more, like it's a more a fun vibe. time. Yeah. It it's seems like it's more vibe. of a party, party vibe, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's like, a less, you know, uh, you I don't know, really like, want to see death metal on a boat. You know, it's just no, not my thing. You know, like, yeah. You know what it's like? You do 70,000 tons and you're like kind of like, uh, you know, the light entertainment. Right. Compared to some of these. Yeah, guys. we were actually, we were on at the same year. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Monsters of Rock, it's flipped around. You're like, you know. You're the heaviest band on the there. You're the tough yeah. guy. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah. That's so cool. That, that's, that's okay. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. Um. So, okay, so your contract with SPV is up. Same with Night Demon. Our last record with SPV, with our, or our, our last record that came out was our last with them. Um, so who, who did you, so you guys have, have you guys re-signed to an, another label? I said yes, that. Silver Lining. Silver Lining is a great label. Yeah. They do a lot of good stuff. I like, uh, I like everything they do. They're really focused on what they do too. It's not like a lot of these labels are just trying to sign three bands a month at this point, but Silver yeah, Lining's good. They've got a they've got a good back catalog. They've got a lot of legacy artists, but they're also like signing signing legacy bands that are doing good new music, you know, not just reissuing stuff. And that's really cool. They've got I really like the guys over there a lot, you know. Yeah. It's just so far it's been really, really cool. So that's awesome. And so and so there's a big tour happening here in the US. <laughs> I look at this tour and it reminds me very much of the tour that we did together in 2014, as far as like just the volume and some of the places that that we went, you know. Um so yeah, this is a long tour, John. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we told them uh we hate days off, so let's let's go for it. How are you guys uh, getting around on this one? Uh, we have a, a mansion on wheels pulling a trailer. <laughs> so basic. So you didn't learn anything from when we did the last one. <laughs> you had a mansion on wheels last time that broke this down. This mansion like on wheels is, is rented. So it's oh, <laughs> there you go. Is it a? Is it like a? Is it like an RV? Is it a one of those? Yeah, it's uh, a, like a big thirty. Was it 30, 35 foot RV? Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's it's not one of those bandwagon things, is it? No. That's Have you like seen those? In, that's like being in a submarine. There's no windows in the damn Yeah. Thing. So you've seen those. Yeah. There's like, there's, I guess a, there's a shower, there's eight bunks and a lounge, but, and, but it's, it's just like a box truck. Like there's no suspension on it. So it's like you're basically, you know. Oh, yeah. well, you know what half the roads are like now anyway in the States. Yeah. So I know. Don't right. Want that. No, right. Thank you. Right. So that's cool. So, so um, that seems to be fun. And you've got Riot Act coming out as a support act, which is the not Riot 5, but the other form, the other Riot with um, a couple of the old school guys in there. Yeah, from, so Rick from, Ventura playing guitar yeah. from, the, from the old band. And they're playing mainly 
I mean, they, they've got an, an album out with new material and they're playing some of that. But I, I saw them in Newcastle. It was great. Yeah. And, you know, road racing, warrior. Yeah. Uh, yeah so know, all stuff probably Rock off the city, all that stuff. Yeah. You know? So stuff off the first two or three records. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Stuff, yeah. Yeah. I know Luke Havaris was in that band, but he sadly passed away. Uh, I believe in 2020, which yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that the band carried on though, really, you know, cause I, yeah. he, it, it happened before they really got to do anything, which is really sad, but um, it's good to see, you know, those are to me, I mean, those are some of the best songs out there, you know, and to see those songs represented by some of the original guys, it's like, I, I always welcome stuff like that, you know? And I know like, you know, you guys probably back in the uh, Lamore days probably did a lot of gigs with those guys, you know, and, and we saw actually that stuff. did one gig. Did you? I haven't. Well, we'll be discussing it at some point with uh, Rick because uh, I, I don't know who was involved. We played one show, which was our first show in America, the uh, Halloween Headbangers Ball in 1982 on Halloween night with uh, us, Sandville, and Riot. Wow. And they famously pulled the, you know, the nine-hour sound check. And uh. <laughs> go and put your gear up here until then. And then when we started, we played and the place went crazy. Uh, apparently someone connected with them, according to <laughs> Anvil at least, went over to the stage box and started unplugging stuff and mixing chords. Man, what, let's like- put the vocal on the bass track and let's put the bass guitar on the cymbal track that type of stuff you know that is such in like you know an old school rock thing like the bands sabotaging each other like i couldn't even imagine that happening now you know um not not to that level you know um but uh absolutely talk about you know small potato pathetic it was just weird but i mean Um, even like that's probably the last time well, actually, no. We ran into a little bit of that with Ingvi. Uh, well, <laughs> but there uh, that's, you go. <laughs> that's, that's not uh, too surprising. But yeah, especially back in those days, you know, late seventies, early eighties. I even know, like Riot, when they when they were like opening for bands like Blue Oyster Cult and stuff like that. I mean, they would get totally fucked with and like put put to the front of the stage where there's just no stage for them. And like, you know, you can use half the lights, no subs, you know, and then, and then it was kind of like if a, if an opening act was doing good, you know, the crew or who are management or whoever from the headliners would always try and do something to sabotage them as just, it was just totally. Where does that come from? That's so pathetic. It's such a different world, you know? And so like, that brings me up to a good question. Like, so you, so Raven's been a band for 48 years now. (laughs) So, so, um, you know, you're in the band with your brother. It's really, I mean, would you, is this the only band you've ever been in? Yeah. Okay. So you've seen a lot change through the music industry. You guys, you know, you guys came to America early. You were part of the early new wave of British heavy metal, the whole neat records thing. You, you know, you were on a major in the eighties. You've seen, you've seen literally everything in the, in the, as, as far as heavy metal, you've seen it from the beginning and you've been a big part of it and you're still here, you know, flying the flag high. What is your opinion based on, like then and now, like what is there, is there, is there a better time or is it all relative? You know, a lot of people complain that, you know, things were better than for various reasons, album sales, et cetera. 
but there's definitely a lot of advantages these days, like not being sabotaged or having the internet to be discovered or things like this. What, what's your, what's your opinion? Like, you know, I think and- you're right. <clears throat> People have uh, rose colored glasses on. I mean, a great example is uh, whenever I'm interviewed and they talk about the kill them all for one tour. Mm-hmm. I mean, the kill them all for one tour was, it was like the tour we did. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, you'll have these high points and then you'll have, you know, you were playing to three men and a dog or something, you know, right. those kind of things happen. So it, it's easy to look back and just, uh, you know, bask in all the good stuff that happened. So I think it's, it's relative. Yes, everything is different, but it's the old French quote, isn't it? You know, the more things change, the more they stay the same in, in many ways. If you've got talent, if you'll work hard, you'll, you'll make something of yourself, you know, and <laughs> you're a perfect example. So there you go. Oh, thank you. Thank, I appreciate that. Um, I do. Uh, yeah. For us, it was kind of like, we never had any, before we met you guys, like we, we never, we didn't know about the whole subculture and, and things going on in, in overseas or, or in certain pockets of the States. We were kind of isolated in Southern California in a, where there was, the metal scene was long gone, you know? Um, but, but yeah, with the internet, without the internet, I, nothing would have ever happened for us. Yeah. And, and there, um, isn't, there isn't really a scene. It's the internet. Right. Right. It's a, it's and a, that's it's taken a, over from what that was. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a, it's a strange, like global society, but it's, it's tight knit, but widespread. It's very strange. You know, yep. that's the best way I can describe yeah. it. But, but yeah, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, how much money was around back then and stuff like that. But the, the other thing is there were so many gatekeepers back in the day that like without the record deal, like you really had no chance. Like you really couldn't do it independently. I mean, there were, there were some punk rock bands that did it. Um, there were some metal bands that did it in the early eighties and late seventies, but they had no aspirations and they never, they didn't, they never took it to another level. I mean, besides, you know, you could distribute records out of the trunk of your car until you run out, you know, and then that's it, you know? Um, but word of mouth was not as powerful then as it is now. It got people, it got you talked about, but it never really got you any opportunities beyond what you would go out and have to get yourself. So, you know, I mean, I could see with you guys, you know, being on a making the switch to a major label, you know, you guys were making bigger records, bigger budget videos, which people don't understand. Like, you know, now you can make a video for a thousand dollars that 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 looks like a video back then that would have cost a quarter of a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Easily, easily a quarter of a million dollars. You know, it's shot on film. There's just it's 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 a totally different world back, back then, you know? And a lot of people think that, you know, if you were on MTV, you made a bunch of money. It's like, that was all promotion. MTV didn't pay you. Or if you, if you played a radio festival, you know, it's like, that's free too. You know, it's like, you're doing all these things for promotion. And then the record company is basically, you know, they're trying to recoup their deal. They're trying to recoup their money. So it's like, and that's. They, and, and they did by any means necessary. <laughs> yeah. I've heard about a few times. It's like, you know, so, so how much did you guys get paid from MTV? It's like, are you high? Yeah. No, the, 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 please. It was the greatest scam ever. I'd like, give us content and we'll play it. We'll make money off that. Off, right. You know, the advertising revenue. But 
people would, uh, you know, sell the mother to get a video played on MTV. It's, it's like legal. And then you had this, yeah. you were saying about gatekeepers, gatekeepers. It was more like a line of people with their hands out taking money. I mean, it's, it's you know, well, I mean, you got a certain level. Oh, you've got to have an accountant. You've got to have this. And every, by the time it all came down, it's like, yeah, you got a budget of $150,000 to do an album. You imagine that these days? Oh man, it'd be insane. But yeah, okay. back then, back then you could it's record like, a career and then just yeah. sit back and put yeah. it over. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because yeah, back then it's like if you had, you know, you, your agent takes the cut, the manager takes the cut. You you know, to make a record, you know, studio time is at least a thousand dollars a day for the studio. Oh. Then then you have the producer, then who's gonna have their cost, which is high. You're gonna have the assistant engineer, then the producer. You know, at that time they were getting points on records. So it'd be like, okay, well, yeah, I'll do it for a hundred grand, but I want like five points on the record, which is like 5%. And like, that's like indefinitely, you know, that, that, oh, yeah. and those, yeah. And that's, oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, they're not, the producer's not recouping the budget. The band is, you know, so that's part of the band, you know, produce, you know, whoever's going to have, it's like having a lien on a house, you know, like who gets, whoever does the work first and gets defaulted on, they get paid first, you know? So, um, but yeah, it's really interesting how, how that is. It's, it's cool to like talk about the, the perspective of it all and like really, you know, being able to have some control and some power back uh, as an artist is, is really cool because, you know, like you said, if you are good, people will find out about you. Yes. There's a lot more competition and a lot of noise out there because everybody can just put stuff out there, but I've seen it. I've noticed, I've seen bands come from literally nothing and make something of themselves because they were good. And, and that's it. The music's good enough. Like it will cut through, you know? So, so, and I, and I, and with, you know, like, you know, with a band that like Sarah Thungle, the band that I managed, like it's given them an opportunity where they were in a band for 25 years and now they're just they're they're headlining festivals and playing in front of a whole new generation of fans without the internet i mean you could forget about it that's just it's not even yeah it would never happen it, it, it would never happen. it never have happened you know so yeah. as as good as as bad as things are and you know as far as the financial end of it hopefully that stuff gets worked out a little better um but um i think that yeah things would I don't even want to say that they're like even par with, with the, the old school. I think it's a totally, it's a totally different system, but I think things may be a little bit better today. Opportunity wise, you know, there are a lot of avenues for artists, I think to, to make money. I really do. In so many ways. I mean, even just initially, you know, kids can learn to play so much quicker. Oh, that's crazy. And if they've got, inherent talent you know the distance between them thing i'm going to start to play an instrument to i'm writing songs i'm performing is right. drunk i th- the only you thing don't, is, yeah there's a lot of these uh bedroom musicians yeah say, oh yeah now you're going out on stage and say uh well, what so you, you're not getting any you know apprenticeship right. they didn't play Easton colliery working men's club with people throwing glasses at them or you know, in the north, right. the blues those things style. Yeah. You know, don't happen so much. You know, I'm sure like Greta Van Fleet had a long apprenticeship playing the clubs before they ended up doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, look, the majors still need to man- 
have some kids to manufacture and they're a good example, you know, but, yeah. but you know, one thing is like, I think what I've chalked this up to, it's like, it's like the video game generation, right? So these kids grew up with like, I was like the first generation of the video games, but that started with like the first Nintendo and Atari and stuff. And that stuff wasn't that advanced, but now, you know, you got these controllers with like 12 buttons and the hand-eye coordination that these kids are growing up with is incredible. And so like, I mean, I see, bands open for us at 18 year old 17 year old kids and these kids are playing circles around me they can't a lot of them can't write a song to save their lives but like but that's that's a whole that's 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 yeah. something else that takes practice too yeah that's, you know? that's yeah. true the technical right. ability is right. off charts and that's why yeah but basic, that's why i think that know? is yeah but talent is talent is completely overrated in my mind completely you know i mean i be, hanging i'll tell you what hanging out in northern ireland for the last couple of years, like it's in the talent is incredible. Like any pub that I go into or a street corner, I walk by, I'm hearing like the best voice I've ever heard in my life. Like the guitar playing is just an incredible. And I'm like, that's one person. And I'm like, if this was like, you know, if you were in, if they were in LA in like 1988, some record executive walking to lunch would have signed them on the spot. But yeah. These days, talent is totally overrated. And that's why, you know, you, I think people want to want to identify more with a personality and like a band that has something to say and has some style and their own thing. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, you know, talent is it's a prerequisite up, up to a point. Talent alone is boring. Yeah. You've got there. You know, yeah, I can play 500 mile an hour. I can play everything invaded in three minutes. It's like. You know, it's it's ridiculous. It's just like reading the dictionary at 500 miles. You're not seeing anything. I mean, know? even with English, yeah. it down, do something simple that that speaks to people, that reaches them emotionally in some manner. Right. And like you say, showmanship, razzmatazz. You don't see a lot of that. What right. passes for showmanship is a bunch of guys putting their heads around in a circle, round and round and round. It's like really. <laughs> Come on, man. but that's the thing with Ingve too like he came out in the mid 80s and at the time he was a very young guitar player he was very flashy and and he had technical prowess but he still has a career today because of that because of not because of the talent it's because of the showmanship and because it's like i think people like to watch the train wreck too you know yeah it's and, just and the attitude. Like, i mean yeah you know for better or worse it's like this is a guy that stood out from the pack because right. he said I'm great. Screw you, lot. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. For better or for worse. Exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah. So um, let's uh, quickly talk about. Um, you know, I, I was <laughs> thinking about like. I won't tell you now, but like, there's something that uh, we want to do with you guys uh, next December. Just like we want to bring you out for a special gig next December. Um, out to Cleveland, actually. So I hope you're available. 2023. Um, usually most bands are in December, you know, around. Um, but I was thinking about it because I was, we were, I was, uh, we were on tour with Midnight and like, those guys are just huge Raven fans. And we were listening to like your entire discography on the last <laughs> tour. We were like, we, well, the thing is we had this Nightliner set up, but since the, the war happened out here in Europe, like the price of the Nightliner, it went up like, 120 percent and so we're like okay we can't do that so we, oh, wow. we we split both of our crews in half which sucks because 
that means people didn't have work, but we shared a crew and we were in a van together, two bands uh, for, right. for six weeks in Europe. And we were just listening to Raven all the time, but like what I'm um, uh, this is a hard question because you know, like if you ask any band, like what's their best album is, they're always going to say it's their, their, their most recent record. And that's good because you want to be better, you know, that you want to be yeah. better, but in, in all fairness, like, okay, how about this? Maybe not even your opinion, right? Maybe not even your opinion, but if you were to like to look outside of yourself and outside of the band and you were to look at it from the perspective of like a lifelong Raven fan, like a Mujib or somebody like this, right? Like, like if you were to look at it, right? Like, what do you think is the, or, or if you had to have, give somebody, ah, I don't even want to use the word gateway. What do you think would, okay, sorry. Here's the question. What do you think will go down in history? If it all ended today, uh, what's, what is like the quintessential Raven album? What's a tough one? It's it would probably be one of the first three. However, uh, and this is not from me, like when I've been doing interviews recently, it's like the first three albums in Metal City, the first three albums in Metal City. So that really made an impact, and that's really cool because it's it's almost impossible to compete with those because. You're generally talking with people who've been listening to an album for 30. I mean, even people that got into it later have been listening right. 20, 30 years. And, you know, you have life, things that happen in your life that coincide. But, oh, we went to the beach and had that great time. We were listening to this. And I always remember, right. like, yeah, you know, that, th those kind of things are very difficult to, you know, to, to equal. However, but you know... We, we seem to have broken through with that last one. It was so well received. So you're doing uh, it. I think you're a doing lot it. of that was the you're fact doing that it. Nobody, <laughs> nobody touring. And so people were like right. listening to music rather than because they couldn't just go out. They were listening to music. And it was like, right. hey, check this out. It's really cool. Right. So, you know. That that benefited us too when we did those all those singles in 2020. Like Absolutely. People, people were home. Yeah, yeah. So you got their attention. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're doing it. You're, you're doing it. You're, you're, you're saying the most recent one, which you should, which you should, you should. I, I'd say the same thing about anything I'm doing too. So, but yeah. Okay. That's, that's so you, but you acknowledge that there's some that are not. Oh, all this. I mean, I think there's good stuff on every album, but sure. uh, I do too. Cool. and I mean, we, we, we kind of honed in on that after the period off with Mark's accident. It's just like, you know, we always think it's all killer, no filler. You can always do better. You can always do better. You got to try harder. You got to put the work in. I and really yeah. worked hard on extermination. Where it was I like, love that album, and like know? not just because I was hearing those a, a lot of those songs every night, because there's a lot that I didn't hear when we when we played together a lot because. I mean, we've got we've we've probably done 70 gigs together, I, I would say by at this point, but as, around the world. But I there was a lot of songs on that record that I did not hear live because obviously you're at a point in your career. At that point, you were 40 years in and it's like you, you have to play. You have a certain amount of time on stage. I mean, you were you guys were even at the point where you were doing medleys of 
of old songs because you just had you wanted to cram as much in the set as you can and give people a chance to hear at least some bits of those songs. Are you guys still doing a medley type thing? Uh, yeah, we usually screw around at the end and put a couple of cover tunes and stuff in and then bang into this one. But every tour we went out, it's just like, let's do something different. So, I mean, we went to Japan. We did Hellraiser Action, which we'd never played. Right, right. You know, whenever we were doing Chainsaw. We, last tour, we broke out Extract the Action. So we'll keep doing, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll keep cool. doing stuff like that. Just picking a random song. It's like, you know, we're, we're doing Wiped Out. So there's three songs that were never played live. Right. And a lot of the others were ne- never played since, I don't and know, so, and, so, and so you're doing that whole record on yeah. this tour, right? And so how much, how, how many songs does that leave you in the set after that record's done? Are you doing it in sequence? Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, and then how, many, how, how much longer of a set do you have after that? Well, we're probably going to start with like four or five songs, do uh-huh. that, and then do one or two at the end. Got it. That's the, that's the way to do it. At that point, that's like, you know, 90 minutes. It's that's like, the way to do it. That's cool. Yeah, put it in the middle, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Come out, come out with some bangers and then do it, do it in the middle, and then end, then encore with a couple, with a couple classics, you know? Yeah. Um, nice. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So just, um, I won't take up too much more of your time and I got to get to sound check too, but, um, I have a list here of all the tour dates that we did together in 2014. This was night demons first. You took us on our very first full U S tour. So I'm going to go, th- I'm just going to name the dates and I'm going to say what I what I can recollect about these shows. And if you can anything, go ahead and, and chime on in. I know you've, we've all done a lot since then, but um, so October 3rd, 2014, the tour started in Pompano beach, Florida at rips. We were not there. No, we you missed, weren't. We it, missed it was, the- <laughs> I remember a curtain and some really bad lights, but it was a fun show. <laughs> we missed the first gig, but we met you at the second show in Atlanta at the five, two, nine bar which was uh, a really, a really small bar, but it packed out. Um, we actually played that bar again on the tour on our way home. But, um, but yeah, we played there. And um, I remember some of my family came to that show that lives in Atlanta and we stayed at the dude's house, the promoter's house. I remember um, the opening band sounding just like Thin Lizzy and it was all original material. And they were really, really? good. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> shit, shit. I would have. I thought I would have remember. Okay, here we go. Memphis, Tennessee, the High Tone Cafe. Now I see this is on your tour list now, so yeah. I'm hoping that Memphis comes to play because when we did this, I remember we had seven people at this show. It I was absolutely them. dreadful. It and was you know seven. What? We were like, we're not going to get paid. <laughs> and the guy said, "Don't worry, this happens for everyone." Yeah, it was yeah. basically a tax write off. Yeah, right. They didn't bother advertising. Nobody knew you were there. And then I get home after the tour and put the TV on, and there's Elvis Costello live from the high tone in Memphis. What? And it was absolutely jammed. Are you kidding me? I kid I you mean, not. Look at Jesus. Up. <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, I, so you got to let me know how it is this time. You got to let me know. I've got yeah, faith, hopefully I got faith that better. Memphis – I got oh, – I imagine it will be. I imagine it will be. Um, 
Um, okay, then we headed to oh, it's just Tulsa TBA. I know we didn't do Tulsa on that tour. So uh, Little Rock at Vino's. I remember this one too. That was I think it was like a pizza place. That one um, I just remember it being cold. <laughs> that one I don't remember. <laughs> yep. Um, Austin Red Seven. That was great because we played. See, Austin has a big turnaround. There's like every time you go, the club you played last time will be closed, you know, and there's a new place. So Red Seven was cool. It's kind of like that out. It was kind of indoor, outdoor kind of thing. It yeah. was great. We had like three, four hundred people there. That was a big, that was one of the bigger ones of the show. tour. And I remember there was a bunch of guys who still come to see us now, but they had discovered us because they were old school Raven fans. There's a group of like six guys, right? Yeah. And um, Andrew Bonzal, our, our merch guy at the time, he was writing for Metal Salt and he was blogging every week about the tour. That's right. And, um, you know, he's he's from India. He speaks great English, but it's just not his first language. And I I remember uh, I, I asked him if I could proofread the blogs before they went out every week. Just, you know, like maybe there's just some insider information on tour that we don't really want to get out, you know, or just, you know, you just never know. Like so. Yeah. Um, but he did mention these guys and how cool they were, this these group of fans. And but he referred to them as elderly men. And I was like, <laughs> I was like. I was like, you know, guys in their 50s, that's technically not, you know, you don't, we don't want to, you know, that's something I remember from that show. They're not really elderly, you know, just because you're not. Just because you're your five year old doesn't yeah, mean it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was funny, though. Um, okay. And then uh, from then Mesa, Arizona Club Red. Yeah, I remember that. That was a yeah. big, big room, but that actually did pretty well, too. Um, Ramona, main stage. Oh, yes. This that was, was a nightmare. A, that was this, the one where the guy cancelled our gig. Cage put on there. Yeah. The guy that was playing with Dio, what's his name, the guitar player. Craig Goldie. He wouldn't dissuade people who were coming to see Raven. He just wanted them to come to their, his show. We had some local promoter put a gig on in a bar at the last minute. Oh, it was horrible. It was a, it was uh yeah, at the Ramona main stage, but that moved to it it was there, but it moved to a place called the Jumping Turtle. Yeah, and that's, like when, that. that's right. That's when Joe Hasselvander, who was who was playing drums for you guys at the time, he's so funny. He said he's like, Why are why are we playing at fucking Willie's wing shack? You know, it was like, it was just like yeah. a roadside, roadside. Jewish, Jewish crop shop, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but that, that the gig went off. That was okay. That it did happen. Then we did Vegas Cheyenne Saloon. That was a bit of a clunker, but most times Vegas, that just is, unless you're doing a big event, you know, and you're not on the strip, you know, um, that place is no longer around. I don't think LA, the whiskey, that was great. That was an awesome show. I remember yeah. we, we did our album photos there. That was really cool. Um, that was a great show. Whiskey's always good. Ventura, our hometown at the Bombay. That was packed out. That was a good one. Yeah. Ex Mortis came to play that Sacramento at the blue lamp. That was another good one. I have a video of that show. I remember that one. Yeah. It's a video of stuff. San Francisco at the elbow room. That was packed. That yep. San Francisco is always great because all the old all the old school guys always come out to see bands like you guys, you know. Um, uh, and then that one, actually, that place is gone now. The Elbow Room has moved to Oakland to Jack London Square, and it's much smaller. Matt Shapiro, hmm. the owner of that club, actually lives out in Leipzig now in Germany. So I'm oh, running wow. into him and 
he's planning on starting stuff out there so out in Germany. So, hey, um, then where do we go from there? Ashland, Oregon, Club 66. That was uh, that was horrifying. That yeah. was horrifying. Yep. Um, uh, Portland Tonic Lounge. That was a good one. Um, okay, there's a gap here. This must be this isn't the final schedule because I remember Halloween we played. Like Spokane. Spokane. Yeah. Spokane. Yeah. 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 We played that. Spokane. That was an interesting one. Um, then Vancouver at the media club. That was okay. Seattle studio seven. That was a huge fucking room, but actually that ended up being okay. Boise at the shredder was Boise at the shredder. You know, uh, Justin's a great guy. He just we didn't make that one. Oh. That's the one. We oh, that's make. right. You didn't make that one. Oh my God. Yeah. You did not That was the bush broke was... down. We rented a truck. We drove. I was driving at 100 mile an hour plus in that freaking little van trying to get there. And right. We, that's we right. Time change. So we were an yeah. hour too late initially to start with. Yeah. That's so right. I remember that. I remember that. Okay. Um, but you didn't miss much. And the only, the guy, that guy Hansi that always hangs out there, he's a German guy. I think he's got, yeah, like, we did a gig with him at uh, the Olympic. Yeah. Think, he's like, he's like the yeah, only metal fan cool. in, in Idaho. He was pretty yeah. bummed. You weren't there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Salt Lake city, low five cafe. That was great. Visit that was open one. that one. That was a really good one. Um, Denver is when I, at the three Kings, that's when I lost, completely lost my voice. And and you just couldn't deal with it. And you came out at one point on stage and just started singing our songs. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, just you're like, just stop. And I was like, but I need the gas money. I'm like, I'm not gonna cancel. I'm not gonna cancel. Yeah. I'm not gonna cancel. Um, St. Louis at the Foo Bar. That was a that was I oh fuck. I that's that I was remarked. like a million bands. I think deceased played that as well. And we were all scared because there's so many bands got ripped off outside. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Mark got super pissed at something that show. I can't remember what, but he like, oh, it was had something to do with our, like his equipment was fucking up all the time, you know? And he like came off stage and then he threw something at our, at our merch. <laughs> I can't remember, but it was like before it was on the, the one of the encores that you guys did. But that yeah. was pretty that's pretty cool. The Mark Mark meltdown moment. I love those moments, you know, because, you know, he always bounces back, you know, that's why. But oh, I yeah. like it's all in the heat of it. I love it. Um, Columbus, Ohio, shrunken head. We actually met a lot of people there that I've been like some of our biggest fans forever. Now, that was a pivotal gig for us, even though it was just whatever you know i mean yeah. that one did you see that's the thing you never know right and as long as you've been doing this like you just never know what's gonna move the needle right it's it's never like it's never like some big event it's usually just like it's a it's a inc incremental like little baby steps every day yeah you know? and, and, and it's, it's like it doesn't matter where it is or how right. many people there are right. or like, it, something indeterminate will happen and it's just like Next time you come back, they told all their friends and boom. Right. It's like the the seven people you play in front of, like one of those people could be somebody that totally changes your life, you know? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, wow, this is a long tour. Yeah. Kansas City Riot Room. That show we did not make. And you guys made it down there. That was a fucking long ass drive. And you said it was like insanely fucking cold. And yep. People still people still tell us to this day. We've played the Riot Room 
probably six or seven times since then. And they still give a shit for not being at that gig. So after, <laughs> that was after that, we're like, we're never going to cancel a gig for a dumb reason ever again. But that place, by the way, is gone now. I know what you it, saw. It, a, a fire truck like crashed into it, trying to put out a fire, like the building got oh, fucked up. So, oh. but there are some new places out there. So, um, Kansas city, Missouri is a great place for metal. Um, Indianapolis, um, yes, brass rail. I remember that being a big snow fest, um, Akron, Ohio, the empire club. Yes. Place, Bill, yeah. Bill Peters came out to that one. And that's when we, yeah. the first time we met him, he ended up changing our career for the, for the better. Um, um, I remember someone had nicer accommodations that night. Well, I used to you know, <laughs> when, you, when, when you're when you're when you're, you when you're dirty dog when you're when you're young and poor. Sometimes you need a, a sugar mama on the road. That's you know? right. But you but, but you know what? I was always a good bandmate, and I always made sure that she took care of the whole band. I never I, I never that, that, left. That, that sounds awful. Well, I never, I never left, I never left. The, <laughs> well, not, not to that extent, but yeah. Don't go any deeper. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Toronto, hard luck, lots of stairs. Oh yeah. That's all I remember about that. Uh, Reggie's Chicago. That was great. Manila road jumped on the show and they had that crackhead girl dancing the whole time on the side of the stage. Pissing <laughs> the bass player off terribly. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> uh, Detroit token lounge. That was okay. Um, Syracuse. That, that was great. Um, um, that's, I also had good accommodations there and we that's were there. Right. For, oh, we had a couple friends. days off. We Roy and Debbie, yeah. Yeah, we stay. You guys stay with Roy and Debbie for a couple days, and uh, and uh, I was at the Hyatt Regency. Um, but you know, hey, very nice. Um, <laughs> have love will travel. Um, uh, Pittsburgh. I don't remember this show. Nope. Nope. Okay. Uh, St. Vitus, Brooklyn. That was sold out. That was good. Yeah. Um, that was so, another one where we turned up at the very last minute. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. You did. Yeah. I held a spot yeah. for you out front. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's when, okay, this is when now, now you guys are in the U-Haul box truck. Yeah. And, and you guys are like, <laughs> you can only fit how many guys up front? Like it was like you and Joe and Richard and, and, and uh mark so somebody was in the back right that was me i was in the back yeah how do you do that with the equipment just we used it, to do that for years yeah um, but yeah when you're fucking 16 and like you you really have nothing yeah well sometimes you got to do what you got to do you know i give it up to you man i give it up to you so um okay then we did we're coming to the end here philadelphia at dobbs i remember that dobbs was a famous club because like nirvana and Pearl Jam and all these bands played there, but it was actually a drug front and it got shut down ah. short, shortly after we played. But it's an interesting club. It's pretty small for a legendary club. It but it's narrow, but deep. It was like so playing was in a shoebox. It was like a yeah. shoebox, you know, or I felt like we were playing one of those peep shows, you know, like if you put a quarter in, like the screen would come up and, and then ah, a song ah, would come ah. on. <laughs> uh, all right. Then Baltimore Metro Gallery. That was decent. Um Yep. Richmond at Strange Matter. You were having a very hard time. Uh, you got <laughs> super, super pissed at me, but not because it was me. I just said something that set you off because you were going through some things in your life at that time. And oh, it had, yeah. It had come to a head that night, and I saw you 
throw a, a road case on the stage and, and uh, you let all that aggression out. And I was like, I felt so bad, man. I felt so bad, but I realized that you weren't really mad at me. So that was okay. I thought I it definitely wasn't. And then we ended the tour the next night in Raleigh, North Carolina at the Maywood, um, which is great because they have, they're explicit about no cover songs. They have, sign, <laughs> they have signs about it, which is bullshit. Let me tell you, this is bullshit because the reason why people like clubs say this is because, you know, they claim that they can lose their license. Well, you know what? The license they're going to lose is their liquor license or their entertainment license because they don't pay their dues to the to collection society. Exactly. Yeah, and right. it's like, hey, guess what? We own our publishing on our songs and you need to pay us too. So whether we're playing somebody else's songs or not, you're ripping us off, you know? That's right. So every place that plays live music, whether you have a jukebox, a freaking singer songwriter in the corner or your freaking iPod playing, you need to pay if you're if you're if you're doing commerce and you're selling stuff and people are coming in and enjoying the music, you have to pay a, a monthly or annual fee, which is not much at all to ASCAP and or BMI or CSAC or whatever, all three of them. And that's it. And you can do what you want in there, you know, <laughs> but they didn't want to do that, but they run a live music club and that it's, it was just terrible. It's kind so, of just ridiculous. And but as the, soon as we cranked into, was it born to be wild, uh, born to be wild. The guy went absolutely apeshit. It was hilarious. But dude, it was great. It was the last, it was the last song of your set. It was the last show of the tour. And it was a great way to end it. And it was one of the greatest things. It, it really jump-started. It kind of restarted my whole life. You guys, you, we owe that to you guys. So um, on that note, I can end it here. We've gotten up to an hour on the dot. <laughs> and I really, I really appreciate you, John, and everything that you've done for us and everything you've done for the world of heavy metal. And I'm really happy about, you know, you guys getting out there again and, and doing this. It seems like the band is stronger than ever. And that's a crazy thing to say, man, 48 years in. And really, you guys are really doing it. You're really, really doing it. You're really hitting the road and you're making music at such a at such a high level. It's it's it's, it's incredible. It's humbling and we're happy to be still kicking ass. Absolutely. Thank you, man. All right. It. Go catch Raven out on tour. This episode will come out. Raven will hit the road the day this episode comes out. Um, check it out. Go to their Facebook page or their Instagram, Raven Lunatics. There's all kind. Of, it's it's the dates are insane on this tour. Okay, so cool interview. FYI, we have audio and video of a lot of those early Raven and Night Demon tours and gigs for a future episode, maybe. In the subscriber section on nightdemon.net, you can watch the video of this interview. Uh, That, along with countless other bonus content like live audio, official bootlegs, photo galleries. It's like a Night Demon museum in there. Uh, More info on nightdemon.net if you want to become a subscriber. Until next time, this is Nesbitt signing off.
Thanks for listening to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast. Head over to nightdemon.net, click on the subscriber tab, and sign up to access exclusive weekly bonus content. If you would like to donate to support the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast, you can do so through PayPal at paypal.me slash nightdemonmetal. Additionally, if you have not already done so, please subscribe, like, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. All hail, Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast listeners. This is Dusty Squires chiming in to tell you about my brand new signature sticks from the London Drumstick Company. I've dreamt of having my very own drumsticks ever since I was a wee lad, and LDC made that a possibility for me. Founded in 2016 in London, England, the birthplace of heavy metal, the London Drumstick Company has trailblazed a path through the music industry and taken the drummer world by storm. When I met them for the first time, they knew their product was going to withstand the beatings of a Night Demon show. They took the time to work with me on getting everything just right. The balance and weight of my sticks are the same no matter what, and the durability is bar none the best I've ever had. I know my sticks will last through the set night after night. I'm truly honored to work with a company that caters to their players the way LDC does. Their innovation and attention to detail is what separates them from the rest of the stick makers out there. Their custom stick sleeves are unbelievable and really make the entire presentation complete. Wait until you see the design they came up with for me. It blew my mind and was a surprise to say the least. They have all kinds of amazing swag, including hoodies, t-shirts, drummer shorts, drum keys, stick bags, towels, face masks, practice pads, and much, much more. Even if you're not a drummer, you can be a part of Demon History and order my brand new signature sticks direct from their website. How cool is that? And to top it off, the London Drumstick Company are giving an exclusive offer to the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast listeners. Go to londondrumsticks.co.uk and receive a 15%, 15% store-wide discount using promo code DEMONSTICKS. All capital letters, no spaces, DEMONSTICKS. D-E-M-O-N-S-T-I-C-K-S. I can't thank everyone there enough for the opportunity to be a part of their family and for them trusting me with their amazing products. See you metal maniacs on the road very soon. And yes, the wood chips will be flying. Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Visit our website at monstersmadnessandmagic.com to stay up to date on all the dark dealings within the sanctuary of the strange. Enjoy the show. Hey, Metalheads. I'm Mark, and I host Metal Forge. Let me tell you about the show. 
The Metal Forge features the best underground metal from all over the world. We spend every week with a different artist with interviews, in-depth conversations, and most of all, the music. We also feature audience interactivity where you can submit your questions to the upcoming guests. New episodes are out every Friday at noon Eastern Time at MetalForgeRadio.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Want to know what's going on in the world of music? Then tune in to the Nothing Shocking Podcast, a non-genre-based, all-ages-friendly rock and roll program. Join us weekly for interviews with all your favorite rock stars from the mainstream to the underground. You can find us at nothingshocking.libsyn.com or anywhere you download podcasts. Okay, Metalheads, you've been complaining that there has not been a channel that plays all of the heavy metal videos from past, present, and future for years and years at this point. Well, that time is over. Heavy Metal Television is back. HeavyMetalTelevision.net is the website. Go there. You can see videos playing 24-7, 365, all the time. All the best from the old school, the new school, and everything in between. Check it out. HeavyMetalTelevision.net. It is where the metal is.